0: You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast, coming to you from a shared universe podcast studio. Um, Weston, with me to my left is my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, super, super excited for tonight's intro song. Not the show, just the intro song.
1: Oh Uh, And that was our show for tonight. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, uh, you let it ride for so long. I think that took about like 30 minutes of our show. so.
0: (laughs) So, let me talk about why, right? First of all, this is Fantastic Voyage. By Coolio. This song was released in 1994. And for those of us that were around and watching MTV, I know you remember the video being played every hour on the hour. This was that joint. I was saying to you and Ming before we even kicked off this evening that I listen to this song still, 38 years old. Probably once a week, it comes up into my playlist.
1: Dude, you sound like such a boomer. I, but listen, this is a throwback moment for me, no.
0: and that's why we let that ride for a minute plus. But I also think it is very rev- relevant, not only for this evening show, but for everything that we're doing here on We're Talking Football podcast. We've been asking listeners to take a fantastic voyage with us since we kicked this off in February, and here we are, six plus months later, episode 19 Having fun with it.
1: Yeah, and we've uh, got millions and millions of uh, listeners uh, working on some endorsement deals that we can't talk about uh, at this moment. It's going through the legal processes. Uh, it's just a lot of exciting things going on.
0: Actually, to that point, I have some very exciting news. So before we get into this evening's festivities, something new and recent uh, has has come about here. So a little drum roll, please. This evening's episode is actually sponsored by the Wise Guys Fantasy Football League and League Commissioner Sam Lanassa. You heard that correctly, Lou. We have our first sponsored show this evening, six months in. And in fact, this, this belt that you see that I brought in here, this is for the champion of the Wise Guys fantasy football league and lou you are looking at two-time and defending fantasy football league champion of the wise guys fantasy football league
1: well with all that being said i also have an exciting announcement too as soon as you just told me that i just texted my boss to put my two weeks uh, notification in uh i'm quitting let's we, go we're, we're, we're big time now let's go let's go so
0: lou Top 10 series in the rear view mirror, right? It's time to get to the show that you and I would both agree that has been the number one requested topic throughout the entire off season. And
1: I've hated this. I've hated, you know, doing this show because a chef doesn't like to give out like the ingredients and how he, you know, how he makes such magic.
0: I'm not going to ask you to this evening,
1: but I'm
0: hoping for our listeners. We're giving an idea as to what the sauce might taste like versus how you got to the okay, sauce. I'll give you a
1: nibble. I'll and give you a nibble.
0: That'll make sense in a, in a little bit. It's probably fair to assume that a lot of listeners have already had at least one fantasy draft at this point in time, being that we're getting so close to the season. But for the crazies out there who find themselves in multiple leagues, tonight's episode is for you. And we hope you enjoy it. So... To the listeners, I think it's important to clue you in that Lou has no idea what we're going to talk about tonight. He has trusted me to guide him down a fantastic voyage for tonight's episode in discussing fantasy football. Lou, are you nervous?
1: No, you kidding me? I was born ready. All kidding aside though, I literally have no idea what, what we're going to be talking about, what you're going to ask me. I just showed up to the studio today looking pretty as always. So, um, <laughs> I think we'll start down this path, man.
0: All right. So, the only thing I did ask of you was come into this conversation this evening as if you were preparing for a fantasy football draft.
1: Dude, I've been doing a mock draft since June.
0: <laughs> so, you're prepared for this discussion. Hey. I I had mentioned when I said this is the route that I would like to see us go that you and I have been in fantasy football leagues for 20 years at this point, right? There's oh, really Dude, hold n- on, oh, hold on. Oh, cut. That makes us sound old as shit. We are. I don't know what else to tell you. Ming's nodding his head. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We get I got it. that Peter Pan complex, bro. And so here we are in Never Never Land talking about something that we've done for the last 20 years, we'll do for the next 20 years. Our children will do. Our nieces and nephews will do. So maybe we can part some wisdom this evening. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do this. All right. How to take a swig right there. So- I'll start us off very I'll start you off with an easy one, Lou. So yeah, lay yeah,
1: layups first, softballs first, you know.
0: If you had to make a single statement about
1: fantasy football, what would it be? Anxiety. It's awful. I literally watch on Sundays, I feel like I'm in the matrix. So when someone catches a pass and runs it for You know, 23 yards, I don't see 23 yards, I see 2.3 in my head. And depending which league I'm in, that could be actually 2.8 or 3.3. So, uh, it's something that I love to do, but it gives me so much anxiety at the same time.
0: Are you like me, where... Come halftime of the one o'clock games, you're already like, I won or lost this week. I won or lost this week. Like it, the writing's already on the wall, and half of the day hasn't even happened yet.
1: No, and you, uh, you, and a lot of the people probably call bullshit on this with me. I don't look at my scores until I'm going to say, um, the uh, it's the second uh, halftime of the second game. So at the four o'clock games, that's when I start looking at my fancy scores. I refuse to look. Open up my apps. I just can't be near my phone. I literally have it on on side.
0: Screw the phone, dude. I have the computer up. Now everything's loaded, real time updates. So when you talk about anxiety, I'm telling you that my my heart goes, I'm "Gonna win, shit, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna win, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna win, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna win." And that's all in the first quarter of the one o'clock game.
1: Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm still doing the math in my head. I'm like yep. an accountant on cocaine, like running these numbers. <laughs> but I won't look at the scores. Up until, like I said, that second game, halftime. Perfect. So from here
0: moving forward, I want you to take one assumption. I want you to assume that the questions I am asking you are relative to a typical snake draft, one through twelve, twelve through one. And let's also assume your missionary position type yeah, thing. Exactly, exactly. Right. right? Nothing, nothing super classy. exotic. We've here. all
1: done it. You do it three times a week. You know. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Sure. <laughs>
0: um, but let's, again, and maybe let's assume like a, a point per reception, right? PPR type league. And, full and point or half? Full point. And it's, and it's not to get player specific. It's to be a little bit more about strategy because mm-hmm. that does talk about strategy. So that being said, I want to talk strategy with you. Okay. You know, for our listeners, tell me how, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. That's fine. I'm on group chats with you that you are like the self-proclaimed fantasy guru, right? Where you find ways to, to make sure people know that this is what you do well. So, tell me how you, Lou, prepare for your fantasy football drafts.
1: All right. Well, first of all, I got to give you my resume. All right? <laughs> so,
0: this well, is where you want to get up and go to the bathroom real quick and then come back in like 35 real, seconds. No, real <laughs> quick.
1: Um, I do two leagues a year. Uh, it's usually been Yahoo!, Uh, If you look at my resume, I've won 13 trophies, eight first place uh, finishes, four second place finishes, and one third place finish. And then if you include my ESPN, I've won an additional six trophies there, uh, three first place, two second place, and one third place. So I feel like I have somewhat an idea of what what I'm talking about when it comes to fantasy football. So... What was the question again? I just was patting myself on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my I guy. Got, I, I, con- I, I, I forgot the question. I forgot the right. concussion. I'll
0: go back to when I, and I'll repeat the question, I promise. But when I went and I asked you, like, what was your single statement? Mm-hmm. My single statement about fantasy football is it's 90% luck, 10% skill. Oh, That's no. my single statement. So, that it, yes, I can, I can tell you why it's, it's okay. okay. So, we're gonna talk about why. Okay, so my question to you was it wasn't even a question, it was more of like present sh- to us how you strategize going into your two drafts in a year.
1: Okay, so <clears throat> first of all, real quick, I break it up quarterbacks, runbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. I do my own rankings, uh, I don't rely on anyone else. Uh, and how my and basically, I look at strength of schedule. For each, you know, each uh, player, for example, let's just use Patrick Mahomes uh, as an example for a quarterback. So I would have Patrick Mahomes name there. You put the bye week and then basically I break down the schedule into four different sections. The first half, the first seven games, uh, the second half, the next seven games, the playoffs, those last three games and then overall. And what I'm basically doing for the first half, the first seven games, I'm seeing how many easy games they have. How many hard games they have. And I'm giving it a color coordination. Green will be easy for seven games. Uh, yellow is mediocre, like middle of the road. That's usually around four easy games. Uh, and then red is usually three hard games uh, because it's a hard, it's a hard stretch. And I do that for first, second, third. I mean, first, second, in playoffs. And then I count the overall number of easy games they have total on their schedule. That being said, if it's usually eight to nine, it's a yellow. If it's anything above nine, it's green. Anything below eight, it's red. Are you fo- are you
0: focusing on specific players, like not even by name, but like when you're doing that strategy and looking at strength of schedule, et cetera, are you like, I'm going to do it for who might be projected to be the top 10 wide receivers, the top 10 running backs, the top 10 I, quarterbacks, I like I that sort a, of thing?
1: I just get a general list. Okay. First and foremost. And so, yeah, I just start with a general list. I'm not like starting from scratch. So I'll I'll just basically do a general list. And then what I do after I get all the schedules that I feel, the eye color coordinate them. Then I start formulating my tiers. That's important. That's the biggest thing. I no longer go for players anymore. I go for tiers of players. You're elite. You're top whatever. What I feel is elite. For example, you know, I think there there is four elite quarterbacks this year, okay. all right? So, I, I don't care about that. I, I, I'll, you know, like I said, I'm giving you a Save that t- because yeah. I'm
0: going to ask you some questions about yeah, that. Yeah,
1: so I think there's four elite quarterbacks. That's tier one. Yep. Then I go to tier two, and where I think the tier two stops, uh, and pretty much I will make that a secondary uh, tier and then go on and on and on. Got it, got it. What this basically does is help me organize what players I need to address when, and I look at the tiers. I'm like, okay, I need to get at least this guy in tier, let's say, three okay. for as a starter. Like That's the worst case scenario.
0: So what I didn't hear in that is I didn't hear what the novice fantasy, fantasy football fan might do is like two days, three days, a week before the their draft or their drafts is running to the local pharmacy or bookstore or Barnes and Nobles and grabbing a couple fantasy draft magazines and prioritizing their talent based on what they read in a magazine who also tiers players, but under their own strategy. So from what I hear, you're not necessarily like a, a magazine online material, you're a spreadsheet guy that you make yes, yourself.
1: Yes. So and the reason why I'm not a huge fan of those magazines, by the time you get, it, they're usually outdated, right? So I'm gonna give you an example. Last year Minnesota's defense was awful. So when you look at a magazine, right, it's gonna have them ranked towards the bottom. Yep, right, as a strength of schedule. However, they added a significant amount of beef on the front seven and also uh, additional help on the back end, too, of that defense. Patrick Peterson, uh, the guy from the Giants, uh, what's his name, uh, Tomlinson? Yeah. yeah. So, like, their defense is not the same, and that's the issue when you're relying on the, the magazines is because they're going to tell you Minnesota was aw- is an awful defense, and guess what? They made changes. They drafted, you know, uh, players and what have you. So, I take that all in consideration. Now, when I'm also doing restraint strength of schedule, like, for example, tight ends, I'm looking, and this is, might sound a little neurotic, I don't know who has much time to do st- you know, stuff like this, but I'm looking for tight ends, for example... Who has a good linebacking core or safety core? That they're
0: going against.
1: Exactly. I'm not looking at corners. I don't yeah. care. Who's for, who's
0: covering these yeah, guys? That's yeah.
1: that's what I try. I, I basically look at the the linebackers and safeties when I'm doing my strength of schedule for linebackers. Receivers, same thing. I'm looking who has good cornerbacks. Uh, and then, you know, obviously for running backs, you look who has a good front set.
0: No, good stuff here. Um, So, I'll, I'll give you a little, you know, I asked you about you. So, I am a... I like to have a baseline, right? And the baseline that I do leverage is via, I have very specific magazines that I go to. Um, I have very specific online resources that I subscribe to year over year, but they set my baseline. And then just like I do my top tens and just like I do everything, I let my eyes like tell me the rest. And we'll get it. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna waste all of this right here because I think there's an opportunity to bring this back into the conversation. But I love to hear that like your approach is lose approach, right? Where I'm openly admit that I I start with other people's work and kind of sift through the bullshit a yeah. little bit. You know what I mean? Like and and take those things that you said into account. Like, hey, this magazine was printed a month ago. But things have changed via preseason injury, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I try to like update it real time, like in my own head with like real world circumstances. This is perfect, dude. I, I love where we're going. So let me get to the next component of this. Okay. You and I are in a common league. So I know, and we still haven't drafted yet. So I know you don't want to tip your hat. But tell me your overall, not how you prepare for the draft, but your overall draft strategy. And I'll give you an example. Are you a... Best player available where you're picking. Again, keeping in mind this is Snake, right? Not our auction league, yeah, right? Because okay. that's totally different. Snake, right? Are you a best player available? So I can
1: say anything now. Cause our, 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 our draft, au- yes, yes, yes. Totally. Is like, auction, uh, which is yeah. way better. You guys gotta stop yes, doing snake Yes, And we'll player.
0: talk about that in a second too. But this league was my first foray into an auction league, and I'm flat out addicted. Like addicted. I I wanna do auction drafts for everything, but it's not for the faint of heart. Um, so, Snake League, are you BPA, or do you have a strategy where you're like, you know, again, keep in mind, PPR, are you looking to secure, are you looking to double up on running backs right away, are you looking to stack the wide receivers, or again, are you BPA?
1: Every year, and this is gonna sound so corny and cliche, it's different, right? So, basically, what I do for, like, for a snake draft, I'm always probably rounds one and two going to take one running back, one receiver, I would say. Like, my whole ordeal is, all right, after five rounds, I need to have two running backs, two receivers. Don't know when they're going to happen, right? Uh, Because usually, I just like a balanced approach. Now, what my eyes tell me when I'm doing my rankings, for example, this year I have – let me go to my running backs rankings. I have – 61 running backs I've ranked that I think are draftable, all right? Now, when you look at my wide receivers, I have 86. Now, why are those numbers important? Because it's telling me there's a hell of a lot more wide receivers that I think are comparable that I would basically put in a lineup or on the bench than the the running backs would have 62, right? Yep. So that's what is that 26 more wide receivers. So my knee jerk reaction (laughs) when doing a snake draft would pretty much yeah like if it's PPR, you have to also take consideration that the scoring too, but you'd probably want a running back or or two that can catch the ball too.
0: So I'm a BPA guy all day. Um I've won leagues where and I can recite one where my first through my first five picks in the draft, I didn't have a running back. I took three wide receivers, a very specific tight end, and a quarterback in the first five rounds. I can tell you verbatim that the first running back that I drafted was Tevin Coleman. And I still won that league. And this was when Tevin Coleman's first year on the 49ers. And I still won that league because my receivers... Now, again, this is... Predicated on scoring, PPR. This league also has bonuses for going over 100 yards and 40 yard plus plays. And my receivers were absolute studs. My tight end happened to set the tight end receiving record that year, right? So, like, again, that's where the luck component pulls in. But, like, I think some people get so fixated on, like, I don't have two running backs in the first two rounds. Like, what am I going to do? I missed out. And that's going to lead me into our next topic. Like, how do you identify your sleepers right so like how do you like i know you're not just going into magazines and looking at like what matthew berry has to say or what adam rank has to say so what are you looking for a player that's a little bit deeper in the draft that might fill a void that you didn't give adequate attention to earlier in the draft like what are you evaluating in a sleeper? Like what makes a sleeper to right. you somebody that's like See, what I don't,
1: you want? I don't mind telling this information because a lot of people won't do as much, I feel yep. like. And that's not to be condescending, but it is coming off extremely arrogant. On Twitter, I follow a boatload of uh, specialty sites in regards to team specifics. Like SB Nation, they have 32 teams, each, each 32, teams 32 sites, 32 uh, Twitter handles where they cover the team. That where they actually go on site. Same thing with fan sided. Uh, so basically, I follow training camp. That's exactly what I do. I see who's you know uh, you, you get it from the horse's mouth. Yep. So I have a I have a really deep sleeper for, as a wide receiver that I got from uh the, uh, uh from a team that's uh, a, a site that covers a team. And because he's been killing it in training camp, and during the preseason, he had a couple of good games too. So that is a deep sleeper that i had that I have identified, and that's how I obtained my sleepers
0: so i'm 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 a little bit similar. I kind of I have two schools of thought when it comes to my sleepers. First, I look for like second and third year players who I feel like have taken the next step. and And just like you said, utilizing the team's resources and beat reporters and things of that nature, how can I easily identify who may have taken the next step? But more importantly, taken the next step. And the depth chart just seems to favor them. Like, hey, you're a pass-happy league. This is the uh, pass-happy team. This is the first year that this guy slides into that third receiver spot, right? So might get a little bit more attention. Does that make him worthy of taking him in the 12, 13, 14th round? The other thing I look at is I look at rookies who I think went to the right offense. Now, that's key, is the right offense. A name that pops to mind is a, a Justin Jefferson last year. Most people would think Minnesota's offense just lost their biggest playmaker, Stefan Diggs, going to Buffalo. But, oh, Adam Thielen's still there. Irv Smith's there. Dalvin Cook, they're run heavy. But when you think of a, what a defense is going to do, they're going to scheme around those three names that I just talked about. That opens up reg- regular targets for an individual like Justin Jefferson and look what he was able to do with them. Now, I know he's not ne- necessarily under the radar. He's a first-round draft pick. But, you know, rookies go either way, right? They're they're boom or, or bust mm-hmm. in the fantasy world in their rookie be, and season. And you have
1: to be patient with them because yep. – there are times where someone would drop a player and not waiting for him to fulfill his potential.
0: In one league, I dropped Joseph Jefferson last year. In I, another league, I held on to him and I would argue that he helped me win the championship by holding on to yeah. him. Him and Jonathan Taylor being patient with
1: I'm, I'm interested, in, uh, you said something about teams, the right team. It's also imperative to be careful for uh, drafting superstars that are on poor teams. And let me tell you why. Uh, because if the team's not doing well towards the you know the 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 last quarter or you know 30 40% of the season that superstar is going to get shut down why risk injury what are they playing yep. for so i think that's imperative too and like for example last year julio julio probably would play if they were in uh, you know like a playoff contention yep things of that nature you have to be careful not to choose too many high um high ceiling players they're on poor teams because if they are they're going to get shut down because there's no reason to play them anymore
0: agreed and 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 you have to take this into consideration if you yourself are in the playoff hunt like it's really hard as a fantasy football team owner to say i'm going to <clears throat> sit julio jones for i'm making it up but <coughs> anybody right like but that anybody if they're worth 10 to 15 points and Julio is going to get you seven or eight because they're shut down or he's not playing full games. You just cost yourself a week. Right. So you have to, this is where I argue that some of the best fantasy football players are the people that take the emotion out of it. And they're just very much like the analytical, like I I won't name names, but of like our personal friend group, right? There's a few that just do that really well that don't really follow the NFL as avidly as we might on a Sunday and watch the game. But bro, I'll use my own sister. As an example, my sister is in my fantasy football league and she is a better fantasy football player than anybody I can think of. She approaches her drafts just like you talked about approaching it, but it's all analytical. She can't even name half of these players like outside of playing fantasy football, but she's a beast. She's in the playoffs every year. She's a top three team every single year. I think in my family league, she won the first three years and those are the first three years she ever watched football.
1: You know, like I got a question for you then why the hell am I doing a show with you? Your sister should be here doing this Bro, show. This show, this very specific show, <laughs> she should
0: absolutely be doing this. We should have her dialed in via it's funny because she let her husband take over the team, but her husband cannot make a move without her <laughs> approval. You know what I mean? It's for him to like, Sadly, I know, get that to know the family and do these West things. But that's Sand- married life. Yeah, I was going to say, that's sadly, I know that all too well. Alright, so, you can plead the fifth here. But, Feel like throwing out? So we've talked a lot about strategy. I think any listener would be like, "Dude, just give me a name. Just give me a name of who you're thinking of." Will you? Are you comfortable sharing one to two sleepers that you may have already identified?
1: Well, how? I'll cover how, my ears. How, no, if you no, me too. How much sleeping are we doing here? Do you want it rare, medium rare, well done? Like, do you want like a well-known name? Because I have a I have a really deep sleeper that I'm intrigued let's by. Let's
0: not get really, really deep. Let's uh, get... Come let's, on. Let me get really all deep. All right, fine, man. Because if I'm
1: right, I'm going to look like a genius. Right, if I'm so wrong, put it
0: out here right now. Put it out right here. So if you're right, <clears throat> like you said, you look like a genius. If you're wrong, Ming and I are going to roast the shit out of you okay. after the season when we talk about this.
1: All right, this. so a uh, really deep sleeper, wide receiver position. Michael Sh- uh, Strand, he's a wide receiver for the Colts. He's six five, has a fan- He's been killing it in camp, and he balled out against Carolina. and Has some other good games too. Uh, Ty on the t- on the men t- right t- now too
0: think, t- climbs up the depth chart, what, favorable what it, depth chart scenarios. Yeah,
1: Ty never is, is healthy. Now he has something wrong. I think with his neck. Wrong or- to start the season, so you're now getting this rookie time exactly, right away. Exactly, and they've had Paris. What Paris Campbell? I mean, we've been hearing about this guy meeting, trying to meet his potential. hasn't happened yet. It's a good opportunity for for him to come on in. They don't have too much at the skill position when it comes to wide receivers. And he's kind of made his name. He made the 53 man roster. I think that's impressive. And he gives them something they don't have. They have Michael Pittman, who's more of like your run after the catch. He yep. d- runs those uh drag routes, those slant routes. This is your guy that you can, uh those go in nine routes. You just throw it to him because he's so big. Uh, so, and he has good hands too. So that is something really deep, I would say. And that, I mean, that's, that's,
0: that's deep. Yeah. That's like real deep. So I love and appreciate That's like us that.
1: smoking and like talking yes. about like, yes. you, know, you know, soccer so Give teams. me
0: <laughs> give me a more recognizable name to the average fan.
1: You're fucking killing me. <laughs>
0: That's all right.
1: That's what tonight's okay. for. Okay, you know what? All right. James White. Okay. All right. So obviously he hasn't been doing too well the last couple of years. A couple of reasons uh, why I think he is uh, uh, maybe perhaps a more notable name that you can target. First – Bye bye, Sony Michelle. That that backfield got a little less uh, crowded. Bye bye, Rex Burkhead. He's in Houston right now. Once again, there's more opportunity there. Uh, In addition, he brings something that Damien Harris can't. He's your third down back that uh, can provide that uh, you know in the flat the the run after the catch. Very
0: valuable in a PPR because he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. All day long. So, especially now with Mac Jones. Okay, so now there you go.
1: See, that is that is where I want you led me to. Not calling Mac Jones Tom Brady at all. Right, way too soon. But his tendencies it's do a rookie quarterback. Yeah, they, he's going to rely on they the do easier completion. Yeah, and and I know they got uh, help and the receiver skill positions. You can quote unquote. I'm not a huge fan of Al, uh, uh Nelson Aguilar. Uh, or Bourne, I think they got Bourne, right? Kendrick Bourne, yeah. they sure did. So, KB, A4, we so, miss you. So I think they're going more old school and they would be leaning more to the tight ends and White and the power running game. So I think that's someone that you might be able to, to uh, take a look at.
0: Awesome. I love it. And this is why I told you to prepare like you were preparing. Now
1: why don't you give me any yours? I'm going to right <laughs> yeah, now. I'm going to give you
0: three and I'm going to give you reasons. That hurt me. That hurt me right there. So I'm going to stay in the same camp. Ramondre Stevenson, who's been having a stellar preseason. Now, I say that so to me, this is one of the deeper ones. Really high risk, potentially really high reward. He's in a New England backfield. You can't, under normal circumstances, trust a New England running back anyway. Agreed. The last rookie running back that Bill Belichick ran into the ground was Sony Michelle, and that individual didn't even eclipse. A thousand yards rushing in their rookie season. But for everything that you just said, Michelle gone, Burkhead gone. There's an, there is an opportunity here for him, right? I mean, Damian Harris is a, a good NFL running back, but also takes his one injury and James White is not an every down running back, right? Mm-hmm. He's a third down specialty back. So there's an opportunity that this individual can step right in. He's a bruiser. Now that Cam Newton is gone. This offense is going to open up more, but it. But think about this: you're inside the five yard line eight out of ten times. Who's rushing the ball into the end zone? So funny that you said Cam so, Newton. So they, who man, might do it now could be this rookie running back.
1: Yeah, so that's a good point too because there was uh, I, I was reading something where like uh, they would run it like fifty eight percent the time within like the you know, ten yard line. And Cam equated to like tw- like 20% of like their rushes. Of their or- total. Yeah. So guess what? He's gone too. He yeah. took he took away a lot of the goal line carries so, too.
0: So that's what I'm saying. This guy's this is deep. Like he'll probably go undrafted in most leagues. And this will come to another topic in a moment, but this is someone to keep a potential eye on. Here's another one for you. So I'm t- kind of I'm g- kind of going rookie, second year player, league veteran. That's kind of my strategy here. The second year player is LaVisca Chenault, the wide receiver from the Jacksonville Jaguars. A little bit more of a recognizable name. He's going to go in the middle of your draft. But I think he's somebody that his production is going to outweigh his draft position. And this is where I talk about like favorable depth charts, favorable favorable coaching schemes, New quarterback, and a new head coach that has a gimmicky scheme that aligns really well to this, like, positionless wide receiver, right? I feel like LaVisca can line up outside. He can line up in the slot. You can put him in the backfield. You can do a lot of trickery with him. And he's super athletic. And I think he's a game-changing player when the ball is in his hands. And if I'm Urban Meyer, I'm finding a way to get the ball into his hands a little bit more frequently. And that's why I think his production will outweigh his 8, nine, tenth 10th round draft status.
1: I'm torn on him. Love them uh, as a player coming out of Colorado, right? I just want to basically flex right there. Yeah, I know where he came from. Uh, secondly, I'm, the reason why I'm torn on him is because he, he's not a—he's an awful route runner, right? I, 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 I know. I say. Don't disagree with that. Um, but then again, flip side—they lost Travis Etienne. Etienne was spo- There was talks that Etienne they were going to use as that gimmicky yep. type, that Curtis Samuel type thing. Uh, uh, you know, position. So, guess what? He's gone now. So, with Travis Etienne gone, maybe Chenault does have, like you said, when his hand, when the ball's in his hands, the guy's dynamite, but it's hard scheming him open. And I don't know, to be honest with you, if Urban Meyer is really cut out as a coach, there's already rumblings that some players are really not relating to him and what have you. So, that just sounds like a mess. I don't know if I trust that situation. I would like him on the right – obviously uh, in the right uh, slot, yep. draft slot.
0: So, again, that's why sleepers are the best, right? Because mm-hmm. they're boom or bust. Yeah, of This course. is either going to yeah. blow up in your face or it's going to win you a championship. My final name is a veteran player in this league, Jamal Williams, the running back from the Detroit Lions. What I love is they are a committee approach, but their typical starter – Yes, only in their second season. Spent half of last season on the bench, injured. Jamal is definitively the number two. And keep in mind who their offensive coordinator is—somebody that you are quite familiar with.
1: I use the word offensive very loosely.
0: <laughs> he loves to get touches for that to second in- running back to inferior players. <laughs> yeah, to that. Listen, 10 to 15 touches a game, that spells opportunity for fantasy football players, right?
1: If you guys don't understand who is he talking about, he's talking about Anthony Lynn, the former Chargers coach, where he would love to run it on first and second down. And uh, basically, and being uh, a predictable third and seven. <laughs> yeah,
0: third and. <laughs>
1: right? You don't even follow the team and you know that's I what happens. I know.
0: I do follow the team. I follow the NFL. That's okay. why we're talking football here, Lou. Um, but he loves to get, the, like I said, he loves to get those touches to that second running back. And he's the immediate starter if something happens to DeAndre Swift, right? So I think another one who's still a round 12, 13, 14 pick that could provide some immediate upside to your team. I'm not giving away the rest of my people, but I wanted to give some names and I wanted to give some insight as to why. So, and you did the same. So people understand how do we evaluate a a sleeper in the first place? Yep. All right. Perfect. So I'm going to jump back a little bit here. How much stock do you put into buying in on top-rated running backs, top-rated rookie running backs, and top-rated rookie wide
1: receivers? Well, my philosophy—I mean, dep- like you said, depends on the situation. There, there are times where I'm all, I'm extremely bullish on the on some of the players if I liked them coming out of college. I think that's like I said, it's more situational for me. I'm going to say this. I think it's imperative to have a balanced team where you have young players, your rookies, your first year, your second years, and also veterans. Because you need um, that balance for the purpose of a weekly score. You need some consistency. If you have these young, flashy players, one week you're going to put 250 points and then the next week you're going to put up 67. The veterans provide you uh, a, a high floor usually. So, that's so that's why looking at and discussing my strategy. I try to have a healthy balance of the rookies and the younger players and uh, the veterans because I think that's a good way to diversify uh, exposure to, like I said, the boom and bust.
0: So, I love rookie running backs and rookie wide receivers because they are that boom and bust, right? Also,
1: it's a psychological thing. Here you are, you're like, Oh, uh, for example, Najee Harris, right? He put up, you know, you know, fourteen hundred yards. He's gonna do what he did in Alabama. I guarantee it's psychological. You you're like, oh, he's gonna do just should do that in the NFL. He's gonna do the here. Yeah, it's 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 so yeah, it's so common. It, it's easy, but I also, I I
0: like my strategy behind it is go big or go home. Right, like if these if these rookies hit more often than not you you're not drafting a you're not commonly drafting a rookie in the top 3, 4, 5 rounds anyway, right? So like that's where you can get a little bit more of your veteran players who might give you that 15 to 20 points a week depending upon scoring. But your hope is that those rookies show up big in big weeks and to your point, if you can be patient with them, they hit their stride later in the season. Now that being said, I was a lot more bullish on last year's rookie class in terms of running backs and wide receivers than this year's rookie class. Agreed. right? So like last year, I thought CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, the Henry Ruggs, big, Justin yeah. Jefferson, Brandon. Ayuk. I thought these guys were going to make impacts like right out of the gate. I don't know if that's the case for Jamar chase. I mean, I drafted him in one of my leagues so far, so I'm certainly hoping that is the case, but I'm not as confident in that as I was some of these other names. Now, did they all pan out? No. Like Henry Ruggs didn't have a great fantasy football season. Jerry Judy had like a mediocre fantasy season. I thought he would have had a better one if Cortland Sutton stuck around because it took a little bit more attention off him. They had better quarterback play. But Jefferson was a savage when Ayuk was healthy. He was a savage. CD Lamb was productive, right? So you had three first round picks that. Like may or may not have helped you at least squeak into the playoffs in in the fantasy draft. I'm not as high on Jamar Chase or Jalen Waddle or even Devonte Smith because I don't trust where Devonte Smith plays. I don't know if Joe Burrow is healthy and and what Cincinnati is gonna do. And I just and you know how I feel about the quarterback in Miami. So I don't know how well that suits. Jalen Waddle.
1: What I'm gonna say, uh,
0: I can't believe I'm opening. That up being to- said, I have Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase <laughs> on the same team in one of my leagues.
1: I, I can't. You're like Howard Stern right now. You're getting me to open up and things I really don't want to be talking about right now. Uh, I'd rather talk about something that's like not so controversial. So let's talk about like you know who I voted for. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all can aside. All right. So this is what you want to do. I think with those rookie players, you want to. I think for the most part, unless it's a rookie starting running back or what have you, you look for those rookie players that have more fa- like a favorable matchups towards the end of the season because that's when they're going to come on and really shine. And that's where the coaches are really going to try to make that transition, i.e. Jonathan Taylor, for example, things of that nature. So I would look – as I'm looking at rookies, I'm seeing who has a good last six weeks of the season – that can stash, and like that will be that will carry me out yep. as long as I get as long as you you gotta, you gotta get to that minimum seven win mark in the fantasy season, yes, that puts you in the ballpark of getting to the playoffs if you don't get to that seven win mark, you don't have a shot whatsoever, so if you get to that seven win mark and still have this you know a young rookie on the bench in the last six weeks of that rookie's uh schedule is easy uh, you, that is gonna be a difference maker
0: all right, so I have maybe like four more kind of okay. like question scenarios that I want to go through and we probably have I, won't like be, I won't be so 15 long. to 20 minutes yeah, left I won't be so, in, I won't, no dude this is this is I won't be long what period. I think people were asking for like strategy No, they approach. want names they, they want, want names but like I, no I, we're I, in leagues with half of you people like and there's money and reputation on the line so I'll give you a glimpse into my thought process. You go do the homework, mm-hmm. right? Like, we just gave five or six names, right? I mean, even more. Saying they were, yeah, players, but they, weren't, they
1: weren't so robust. Where Like, if I was to lose out on James White, I'm not going to you know, pull my hair out. No, but know? hey,
0: James White's 120-point week might be the difference between you being in the playoffs and not being in the playoffs. Like, this belt you see right in front of you, dude, this is because I was patient with Jonathan Taylor, and he single-handedly – I squeaked into the playoffs as the eight seed and won. In a twelve-team league, right? So squeaked in
1: eight. I have an eight in a twelve. All right, we'll talk about squeezed that. Later. In. No, excuse me. That's no, we are six. twelve.
0: Yeah, no six. So that's what I meant. I, I, I squeezed in at six. Three
1: fourths of the league is getting yeah, the I playoffs. Squeezed it,
0: what is this hockey? <laughs> like that's literally what happens in the hockey regular season. Fun fact about this belt, by the way, is this is actually made by the same guy that makes the WWE wrestling actual championship belts that you see people carry. Like, feel this thing, dude. Ming, you got to, when we're done, you got to pick this thing up and feel how heavy it is. Like, this is the real deal. Um, And this is a shout-out to our commissioner who pulls out all of the stops for the draft and everything related to this league. So, controversial issue here, Lou. How do you feel about a league with a super flex position?
1: It's the way of the future. Um... (laughs) I've been been waiting all night to ask you this question. (laughs) I just think it's so much more sophisticated. It makes things so much more interesting. All right. So if you're going to do a super flex, super flex basically means... Explain the super flex. Yeah. So you can start anything in that flex position. You can start a second quarterback in that flex position. And why this just gives people more thinking to do, where once again, a lot of fancy players, including when you start getting to our age like that. They like that vanilla missionary position type shit, right? But superflex makes you think because what happens is it drops quarterbacks uh, throwing touchdowns to f- down from six to four and you're supposed to increase the wide receiver uh, catches for a full point per reception. So, your knee-jerk reaction is, well, quarterbacks are always going to outscore a position player. But when you drop the uh, throwing touchdowns… that's that
0: quarterback's to a tug of viola.
1: <laughs> so, when you drop the throwing touchdowns from six to four and you increase a wide receiver or a running back's ability to catch as a full point per reception, it really does even it out. So, now you have to really think. And I think it, it might make some people… It might drive them crazy. But like, I have to start a second quarterback. I have to. I have to. But uh I I like the ability to have more options and more I like more complex situa- situations. We're gonna talk on the car right here. I make things harder on myself because I like the challenge, right? So um I think if you're not doing a super flex, you're doing it wrong.
0: So clearly you're pro super flex. I do think it makes you reprioritize players. Uh, specifically, the quarterback position and its value, even when you're drafting for QB one, right? Because point value is um, a little bit different. But I'll use your terminology, Lou. Me personally, I'm a boomer and I prefer missionary.
1: Yeah. So uh, let me let me tell you something. Like it, when you don't do super flex, it totally devalues the quarterback position. There's 12 people in the league. You you know what quarterback at minimum you're probably getting. Yep. So it really cuts out the thinking. And that's why I like Superflex because it makes you think. And I'm trying to wean out the people that are just looking at a book the day before the draft and like, oh, you know, know, and then basically they they draft a a team by luck, uh, a good team by luck. So, all right. I want skill.
0: So a little insight to our listeners, the league that Lou and I were in last year was we did have a super flex position that was voted in due to COVID. Right. And not knowing I I spearheaded it. Yeah. Not knowing like, hey, who was going to be available, who was not. And I I, assure you, this was the most shit topping shit talking topic on group text message chains for the entire day. and still to this day leading into the season. And for the next
1: 30 years And
0: through. And for full transparency, we voted it out this year, Um, which to lose disgust. No, I wasn't. I knew whatever. it was going to get voted out. Yeah, he knew. Out. He knew. knew. But last year it had some value to it again with like, I, I just think COVID is going to present something different this year than it did last year. Let with me ask all you a question. Things. How many yeah.
1: leagues do you have super flexes? Zero. All right. How many leagues uh, of other people in our league or what do super flexes? Probably zero. Yeah. Why are you doing the same exact type of league in multiple leagues? Yeah. Like, why are you doing the same exact style?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's where you get into, that's like... That's like getting
1: a cheeseburger from McDonald's and a cheeseburger from Burger King.
0: I don't know. I guess it's, it's, the, it's the boomer in me. It's why I hate playing... I, I hate doing fantasy on, like, NFL.com or even ESPN versus Yahoo. Like, yep. I think all fantasy leagues should be done through Yahoo. I think they have the best product, the best platform, the best scoring scenarios, the best rankings... Um, but, like, you go, somebody will like invite me. Hey, do you want to do a league this year? Okay, where's it? Oh, it's through CBS Sports. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm not playing. Yeah, CBS is true. Yeah, exactly. All right. Another question Do you intentionally target handcuff situations, i.e., this year, maybe a Chubba Hubbard in case McCaffrey has another, which is the best football name?
1: I'm always going to laugh when I'll hear that name.
0: Great. Football name from
1: Oklahoma state
0: yeah exactly, but like if McCaffrey has another banged up year or like the the most common name over the last two or three years has been like Alexander Madison, if Dalvin Cook goes down, do you intentionally target those people or if they're there for you, maybe you entertain it
1: no I'm not a, I don't target handcuffs, and a lot of people think I'm silly i i'm not, I don't totally ignore them. I think you handcuff running backs that are in good situations like you like you're saying. Uh, the Vikings are in a—they're a, a, a run-heavy team, team, so yeah. you would want to target Madison, right? But if McCaffrey goes down, is, you do really think Trevor Hubbard, when that offense is going to do much?
0: He's not going to do McCaffrey numbers, yeah, right? That's what why is McCaffrey's he really the one. Gonna,
1: I'm not saying you, you
0: don't know. know, right? Because like, here's the reality, and this will go into my next question: is I'll handcuff from time to time. My own stud running back, right? Like, if if the offense is good, though, yeah, like, like this year, a, a very popular handcuff is like. Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, right? Because it's a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I've been, so far, I've been in two fantasy football drafts and the same per, like in each league, the same person has taken both of those people, right? So th- but I'll, if I have Dalvin Cook and it's around 15 or 16, I think I'm inclined to take an Alexander Madison so I don't have to play the waiver wire game. But I, like you, if I'm not handcuffing my own running back, I'm not handcuffing somebody else's either.
1: Oh hell yeah, I am! I'm not a trader. Often. I love no, to trade. Not so let me, would you handcuff Saquon Barkley's? No, no. You wouldn't handcuff Saquon. That's Bar-
0: not a favorable position unless it's the the number
1: one talent out there. What about Antonio Gibson? No. Exactly. These are players you don't go for their handcuffs, but you bear. So if I uh, drafted, let's, for example, Jonathan Taylor, right? Yep. I probably won't handcuff him. I would rather go for someone else's handcuff. For that trade
0: purpose. No. So to that point, that's why like sometimes I – that goes back to like, hey, do you, are you a BPA, right? Because sometimes like – I, I am a BPA. If you get to like those that scenario where you have like three stud wide receivers and you're halfway through the season, like again, in our league last year, Lou, how many running backs did I have? We spent four weeks flirting on a trade and for DeAndre Swift.
1: And Corey Davis. And Corey and it Davis. it would have been totally fair, too.
0: Totally remember. fair. But I was like, I'm not giving up my running back. I want something better. And you're like, well, I'm not giving up this wide receiver. I want something yeah. better, right? It's a back and forth because you had wide receiver leverage. I had running back leverage. And why do we have that leverage? Neither of those players was making it to our starting lineup. Because we did We BPA. wanted to trade for somebody to go into our starting lineup because we did BPA.
1: You asked me that earlier in the show, and I, I kind of give a half-ass answer. I always do BPA because I think –
0: in a snake league, yeah. again, totally you different. You
1: can't do BPA in an auction. No, like, it's that, like, it. yeah, exactly. So we do BPA. In a, 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 I do it in a snake league because I do it with the idea that I'm gonna try to trade, and it'll give me, you know, some, you know, some leverage. So okay. you gotta, you gotta pivot though. So I'm not gonna take a running back when a receiver is clearly better. No, agree. Two questions.
0: Wrap it up, and okay. then we'll be all good. Do you put more value in? Winning. Actually, I have three questions. Do you put more winning, more value in winning the draft, or winning the waiver wire during the year that's going to help you win the league? Huh? What do you mean by that? So, like, let me let me. Do you think more league? I should rephrase that. Do you think more leagues are won via a draft result or via activity on the waiver wire?
1: The waiver wire.
0: Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I
1: have a strategy for my, for the waiver, which I'm actually not going to divulge because I just won't because it's helped me out tremendously. Uh, but just – I, so, I think the waiver wire – I think the draft is about 45% of the work.
0: I so agree. Which is not
1: even the majority, people.
0: I so agree. I so agree that the waiver wire – and you have to be strategic because if it's a priority versus – like if it's like – Hey, your priority, your waiver wire number one or two or four or five. Like you have to be very careful about when you're picking players up to ensure that it's not applied. That
1: has to stop too. The priority, yeah. you gotta do auction, free, free auction. Yeah. What are you
0: willing to What are you willing to risk to go get the person that you that, think can make your team better? That shit gets
1: fun. There times There's at night. High. There's times at night. Like I literally wake up in the middle of the night, like one in the morning. I'm like, I didn't bid enough for this player and change Dude, it. Dude, I've seen.
0: Players that are not even drafted go for more money than, like, the top player overall in an auction league because it's like, well, I got this money and this is going to make or break my season. I'm going to spend it all. Like, literally, if you have, like, a $200 budget, I've seen $100 apply to somebody that, like, literally wasn't even drafted in the league that you wouldn't have spent a dollar on in the draft, but you spent $100 on them in the way You know what to kick
1: in the balls. It's like you look at who else bid on them, and no, if no one bid on them, we're like, you're just like, what? I was distraught last year when I bid on Justin Herbert for $17. I'm like, and I won. I'm like, wow, I overpaid him. I don't know if this guy's even going to play the rest of the year. I needed him as uh, my second quarterback in the Superflex. I had him and Aaron Rodgers. So, but it worked out well for me.
0: I got a funny question for you. Okay, go ahead. For your leagues that are Yahoo base leagues, Mm -hmm. what's your reaction if you see, an A rating draft report card or a C minus rating draft report card?
1: Uh basically it's the same reaction I have when I have a beautiful steak in front of me and there's some garnish. Absolutely nothing. That garnish means it means it's nothing but garnish. Uh, so absolutely
0: nothing. I agree, but the I think there's an ongoing joke, and a lot of people who are on Yahoo will probably attest to this. Like, I always feel like the A rating is the kiss of death, right? Like you're not going to win the league, but like I get a C minus report card. I'm like, Oh baby, I got a shot. I'm going to finish the regular season. Like top four, like I'm in the playoffs for sure. And it's funny how more often than not like that works out. But to your point, right? Draft is probably somewhere between 45 and 50% of what the season entails. Like what are you doing after the draft?
1: I told you in Yahoo, I won it eight times, right? So I can tell you right now, I never had the best draft. Uh, like report card, never, never had the best, highest uh, graded uh, uh, fancy draft.
0: I have, and sometimes like because th- the way Yahoo calculates it, right? It's like sometimes like there's just that player that slips that they have rated like a hundred overall, and you pick them like two hundred overall, yeah. and they're like, "What value you got based on their rankings?" Yeah. And that will like literally take you from like a B minus to like an A minus. And listen, Kennedy, I think maybe one time. Where I had like above a B plus rating, like an A minus or an A rating that I finish in like the top three in the regular season. Like I can probably count it on on one hand. All right. So I think I have asked everything but one question. Player based. This year, who is your most overrated round one pick?
1: Ooh. Ooh. Ooh,
0: Not a bad question to end
1: on, right? Can I just tell you who I voted for? This is so much- <laughs> Jesus, round one pick. Am I allowed to play the, uh, the fifth year?
0: You can, but people just listened. And by people, maybe five, just listened for 50 I, minutes. Know. Give them something.
1: Uh, sh- what about Joe Mixon? Is he round one or is he round two? You I'll let something? I'll let
0: you slide on that. I think you're you're skirting the question a little bit, but How about you know what? I'll you go you first. You I'll go first. Okay. I'll give you two names actually. Go ahead. Saquon Barkley.
1: Yeah, cuz you don't know the injury history.
0: I just think of a running back who like is solely based on his athletic ability and explosive ability coming off of an ACL. I'm not saying he can't ever be the same player, but that year one, there's a lot of uncertainty in his head going to make a cut. Is he going to leap over somebody? Some of the things that he used to do second nature that made him a dynamic player, there will be hesitancy in that. I assure you of that. The other one is Travis Kelsey. For the life of me, like as a round one guy- He's not going round one. He's going round
1: two.
0: Every single league that I've drafted so far, every single mock draft that I've done so far, he's gone in the first 12 picks.
1: That's crazy. I will say, though, with Barkley- I'm really going to mess with our our listeners' heads. His schedule is pretty damn nice.
0: Listen, and that's off your matrix. What I'm just telling you is... Anybody, and listen, I almost had the opportunity. I was sitting at 12, and he went 11, and if he came at 12, I was probably taking him. I think,
1: yeah, so I don't think he's a top top eight or nine guy. I just think think
0: this year he's a way back kind of guy, right? Like, so if you're picking at 12, 12 and 13 are the same person, right? Doesn't matter because you got multiple picks, so it doesn't matter what order you got your guy. But I think he's a way back in round two. Don't forget, he catches the ball, too. Dude, he does everything. But we're remembering the last time he did everything, which was a year and a half ago. And he's coming off of an ACL. So that's – he's not my most overrated. He's my scariest I'll
1: tell you this. I I can say a couple of things because this week has been awful for me. I was high on a lot of players that are out for the season. J.K. Dobbins, I had him as a RB1. I'm talking about I had him a lot higher than a lot of people did, I'm sure. A lot of people, if you saw my rankings, like you had him that high. I had I had J.K. Dobbins right there.
0: So funny story. The one of the the league that this belt is in, the guy who drafted J.K. Dobbins seven minutes after J.K. Dobbins, he drafted J.K. Dobbins, he got the alert on his phone that he was carted off the field. Seven minutes. Yeah how like that's what this is where i say it's 90 percent luck 10 percent skill right like s- luck favors skill but cam acres was another guy though too uh, i was i don't on, i love cam acres don't yeah, get me started on yeah, him yeah, i, I am, love him I'm
1: a big fan of acres and that those two guys going i had him as a round one guy those two guys killed me yeah because those were big targets for me
0: big targets right but i but again you know, now now the tides will change, right? Sony Michelle in LA. Does he's that? He's not hi- the
1: same. I mean, no,
0: he's not the same player as Cam Akers, but that I think increases his guess, value I, tremendously. I, of course, he's not than it happen. was being in New England. He didn't
1: have any value yeah. in New England, and I get it. Uh, you know, the number you keep on here when it comes to Sony Michelle going to the Rams, fifty-eight touchdowns. The Rams was, in the last uh, three years they've had, uh, they've had a total of fifty-eight rushing touchdowns. So. And there's uh, people are assuming Henderson won't get the ball near the get- goal line. Touchdowns the most flukiest thing. Yeah,
0: though. super fluky. Again, this is why in fantasy, luck over skill. Does your guy get in the end zone? Right. Yeah, but like, how many how many receivers draw pass interference on the one yard line, and then it turns into a QB sneak or a running back? Right. If the if a centimeter in either direction maybe that receiver makes the catch maybe that inter- that pass is intercepted but it's pi it's on the 1 yard line and it changes the entire complexion of a fantasy of the week because that receiver i mean that running back or that you know that could be a 12 point swing my receiver doesn't catch it doesn't get the the catch the 1 point doesn't get the touchdown the 6 points and then a running back who I'm happy to go against gets the six points in the yard, so they get six point one. I lose seven points. It's a thirteen point one point swing, right? Yeah. Like that happens all the time.
1: I just think you have to look at it like if the fancy owner consistently gets to the playoff, it's probably not luck. Yeah, I
0: I think that's where the waiver wire comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's skill throughout it, and they're do they do enough in the draft to build a consistent team that. The name of the game in fantasy, just like in real football, is just make it to the playoffs. Just make it to the that's, playoffs. Because and then anything happens. Anything can happen.
1: I literally try to just win seven games.
0: Make it to the playoffs. Yeah, win seven Make games. it to the playoffs. So, Lou, that's it. I appreciate you trusting me, having no idea what we were going to cover tonight. I think you handled yourself accordingly, sir, as I believe that you would. But this was the show that everybody was asking about. Hopefully we put a, a, you know left enough meat on the bones yeah, for everybody to if go people shoot. People thought we were going to give picture, like uh, Yeah, you're out of your mind. There's yeah. money and reputation at stake. Like I ain't giving it all away. Oh, I no don't way. do
1: this for the money. I don't care about the money. I I do it for my name on that trophy and that name is on there three times. All right. Well, back to back. Back to back right
0: here on this belt right here, bro tato chip. That is it right there. It's on camera. You can see it when we get this video on YouTube. You guys can see it. Check out this belt. Um, again, I think it's important to know that last, uh, this is our first show that was sponsored again, sponsored by the wise guys fantasy football league. So shout out to all the friends and family in that league and taking a risk on us here at, uh, we're talking football. Lou, where can you find us? How can you follow us? You can follow us on
1: Twitter and Instagram at WT, WTF pod NFL.
0: Love it. Now, we got some some work to do. Season's right here, less than 10 days upon us. Uh, we'll get into the lab, figure out what our content's going to look like for, for in-season. Um, but as always, we appreciate you taking the time to listen. Ming, appreciate you having us back in the studio here again, a shared universe podcast studio. Um, if you're looking to do podcasts of your own, check these guys out. They're in Eatontown. They're in Homedale. And I know they'd love to have you, but hope everybody has a wonderful evening.